0: Welcome, everyone, to the episode of the State of Love and Trust. It's a Pearl Jam podcast, and I'm one of your two hosts, Jason Carapesi. And alongside with me, as always, is Paul Gillieri. Alongside with me, alongside me, alongside with me. You know, when it comes to what kind of word is Are, are, are is we that, really
1: going to get it? It's a preposition. No, it's preposition. a preposition. Mm-hmm.
0: I'm glad you pointed that out. Yeah. Sometimes I just get so jacked up for the show that I mince my words and I forget to not add.
1: If there was ever a language to make mince meat out of us, it would be the English language. I tell there you, you man, it's it it is uh it's a complex language. There, there there's a pattern to it, but there are a sure. lot of anomalies and outliers to the language that uh, mostly because it, it's a it's a combination in terms of roots from oh, so yeah. many different languages.
0: got so. your Greek, you got your Latin, you got your uh what else is there? Arabic. Yeah. Something else in there?
1: I don't know, Well, I, the, the funny thing about English is that when you, when you figure out the patterns, you begin to realize that uh, you can memorize certain things that'll help you kind of stay on track with English. Mm-hmm. And then the rest of it, you just kind of figure, well, I'm just going to have to remember this. <laughs> I'm just, just going to have to remember. You know what it's it. like? It's like, and
0: I know we didn't make, create the language, but it's kind of like the imperial system of measurement. Like it's, it doesn't really it, make any sense that it goes like it's, you know, it's literally a the
1: English language. The, 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 the metaphorical equivalent is foxy mop and o mama uh, in terms yeah. of Pearl Jam songs. That, that's yeah, where yeah. we're at.
0: What a way to start out the show, huh?
1: Yeah, exactly. And okay. what we should have been talking about this whole time is uh Niners Cowboys buddy.
0: Oh yes. For, for those of you out there who don't follow American football, the San Francisco 49ers, Paul's favorite team and the Dallas Cowboys, my favorite team are squaring off in the wildcard round next weekend. And uh we may have to watch this thing together and just see who, who wins the friendship.
1: Yeah. I'm excited, my man. I'm excited.
0: I'm a little ner- nervous because we, uh we look goods like goods. We look really good sometimes. And then we look really bad out of nowhere. And I don't know who's going to show It sounds a lot
1: like us, but, oh, both, but, but both the Niners and probably our podcast. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah.
0: <laughs> That yeah. sounds about right. Well, hopefully <laughs> we have a good one for you tonight. We show up and bring the goods tonight. Tonight, today, whatever you listen to it, um, we are completing the fifth part of our five-part series of uh, best songs per, per member. So we've right. done Matt, we've done Mike, we've done Jeff and Ed, but we haven't done... The OG. We haven't done Stone Gossard yet. And we've, I, I, we we left it at the end because we knew it would be the hardest one. There are so many songs that Stone is the principal songwriter for. And then he's contributed some songs with lyrics as well that only make those kind of bump up the old table there. So we knew it was going to be tricky. And there's not going to be a good answer here, a good result. You guys are going to be like, what? How did you forget this? Why didn't you <laughs> bring in that? There's no right answers, so all I can tell you from my perspective at least is this is my five as of today, Yep. <laughs> and anything could probably slide in I mean I look I'm looking at my my short list in quotes, and there's literally 20 songs, and there's more that he's obviously written, but those are the 20 that are like, this is the where I gotta pull from, and we've narrowed it down to five. I don't know how big your list was to pull to pare down from, but
1: um. Uh, you know, it, surprisingly, I didn't have as difficult of a time with this exercise. Really? Yeah. I, I, so there's a lot of great Stone Gosford songs, but uh, I felt like if I had to pare it down to five, with maybe an honorable mention or two max, I could live with that. I could do that. Okay, so I'm I'm curious then, if if
0: what you have um, distilled his catalog down to is similar to mine because sometimes when we feel like it's going to be easy, we think we're going to have a similar outcome and we don't. So now I'm thinking it was difficult and you're saying it wasn't as difficult. Are we going to have a similar outcome? We may. That would be unfortunate.
1: Yeah. It, it might well, be hard to avoid though. It may be. I don't know. I'm going to go first with my two honorable mentions. Please. My first honorable mention is rate. My second is review. And my third is subscribe. (laughs) Oh my God. How did I walk into that? Exactly. How did you not see that? Feed the algorithm. Thank you. And probably the the title of Pearl Jam's next studio album, by the way.
0: uh, Actually, that reminds me, I'm not going to tell anybody on this episode right now. You know what's going
1: to be on it? All those gems that Stone said were left on the cutting room (laughs) floor. That
0: reminds me, um, of an, of an idea I had for a show, actually multiple shows today. I was with my wife, we were driving to the store and I ha- I'll i tell you offline, but we can get a lot of, a lot of content out of this and I think okay. it'd be kind of fun. It's, it's, I like it's how silly, you dangled that
1: carrot and then decided to tell the audience nothing about it. This is good. This That's is sweet. good. So what we call a tease, Paul. It is a tease. Yeah. Well, my 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 first track here is not a hold tease. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold
0: on. Oh. Before you get into it, there's one more thing I wanted to add too, okay. Okay.
1: to the rate, review and
0: subscribe is now... Spotify is doing a rating system on their platform, so go ahead and give us five stars there. Because before it was only on um, Apple, to my knowledge, where you could do these things. But now it's open up to Spotify. So go ahead and give us a rating there. That would be super helpful. We appreciate it in advance. M- much obliged. Okay, so give me your your first. Um, or give me give me like a, an honorable... Actually, you no. Know hold on. Let's wait on the honorable mentions. Let's wait till the end. Because there's so many songs, let's do those at the end. Give me your, give me your number five track.
1: My number five track. I'm going with Animal. Oh, nice Animal. Yeah, you know this was one of those just aggressive, face melting, rhythm riffs. And, And you know, typically when I use an expression like that, it calls calls someone's imagination to Mike. But in this case, I think Stone just master the art of rhythm in the sense that you're listening to this and you just got just a wave of, of, of friction and energy with go. And then suddenly animal comes out with an uppercut that you just did not see coming. And when I first heard this song, I remember I, I had cranked up the earphones a little bit, you know, mm-hmm. and I regretted that decision promptly thereafter <laughs> <laughs> because it came at you hard and furious um. It, it, obviously, it, it, it's one of Pearl Jam's greatest hits, and uh, when, when when you think about this song, which I think was uh, called "Weird A" on the instrumental demo hmm. that Stone had, uh, it's it's one of those types of tracks that I think sums up Pearl Jam perfectly, in the sense that you get five against one, and it was it was symbolic in many ways, rhythmically of their desire to depart from some of the harmonies that we saw on 10. Uh, it was a very raw record in, in terms of production. You know, you didn't have uh, the reverb and some of the other effects that we had on 10. And I think I think Animal really embodied that best in terms of just a, just a pure rock and roll, just crushing song, um, that there's really not a lot going on there in terms of effects. I mean, it's just blistering rock guitars and drums and, and Eddie just howling at you. And it's, it's a smashing success. It's an excellent choice.
0: Uh, I am going to go from the same era, and I'm going to choose Hard to Imagine. Oh, that's a good one. This um, this song is very simple, both in its guitar riffs and its arrangement, but every note is thoughtful, and every bit of music is there to set up Ed perfectly, in my opinion. It's like the the vocal melody was already there for Ed to write words to and it's a lovely blend of acoustic and electric guitars while the whole song is essentially two pieces dynamically um, it feels much bigger than that and it says something about a song where it repeats so much where you don't get tired of it though even in the outro there, there are the, these subtle layers kind of added as you go that elevate the emotion and one of the best examples of Pearl Jam doing so much with very little musicianship-wise. I think I think this is Stones' minimalism at its best. And that's, that says something to me, considering what you just said about Animal. Animal's a very simplistic song as well. But I find this one to be the zenith of keeping things real stripped down and just, it's everything, even though it's almost nothing.
1: Yeah, I, I, part of me would want to argue that Of oh, The Girl fits that description rather well, too. It, that was in contention. Very yeah. late in the game for me. So I'm going to go In Hiding here at number four. Ah, uh, nice. Uh, it, it's, it's just a, a beautiful track on a lot of levels. But what really struck me about it was the way that it invited collaboration from the rest of the band. You know, uh, Stone brings in this, this uh, microcassette recording of this this riff. And Eddie sits on it for a while, doesn't really apply lyrics to it until much later in the album. Jack Irons at the time said that he really liked the track a lot, said it, it, it's, like, it's like a band track. It sounds like five guys just played a track together. And I think that's pretty much what happened. And that when you listen to the song, it does feel like a perfect runway or a perfect canvas, I should say. It's probably a better analogy that uh, members of a band can kind of contribute to. And I think that's a mark of a, of a great rhythm track, is, is when you can, you can write music and it invites a level of collaboration that everyone feels like they were part, that they were a part of the organic process from the beginning. Uh, Mike said about this song, just something about it strikes me. Even in the earlier demo stages when I heard it, I knew it was something that had to happen. And it did. Funny enough, it was a song that was never released as a single. And I think, uh, Eddie at one point lamented, you know, why didn't we ever release that as a single? They probably should have actually (laughs) (laughs) solid song. I think one of the uh, brighter moments on yield actually. And, uh, I I would argue underrated as well.
0: I don't remember if we've done yield underrated or not. Actually, I think we did. And we may have, do we both choose in hiding as our underrated song? We may have. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's a, I love that song a lot. Um, That's a really good shout. And in fact, if it had been a B-side of any of the actual singles, I bet it would have taken off even bigger. Kind of like how Ledbetter did. Yeah, it was a B-side. So missed opportunity, guys. Even on the the second chance there. Uh, I'm going to go at number four with "No Way," sticking to the Yield album. Oh boy. Uh, This is another track. By the way, I'm going to say all the tracks I'm choosing. uh, Stone is the only musical. Writer of it, yeah, and and this one he is also the lyrical writer. So for me, it got the little bonus bump, and so I'm slotting it in four And I mentioned about um, hard to imagine being minimalistic. Well, speaking of minimalism, you know the crux of this one is a half cocked wah single string progression that like a child can learn. It's a super simple guitar riff, and and yet it, it plays with Jack's drumming perfectly to create this just wonderful bed for Ed. Bed for Ed. And the bonus here is is Stone wrote the lyrics, like I said. And as we said on an episode a few weeks back, you know, as this was our lyric of the week entry, you know, Stone does a brilliant job of transmitting his feelings of futility on this one. And even when the pre-chorus kicks in at the 90 second mark, it's pretty much kind of the same groove as it's been, but something how, how it gets elevated. Stone has also talked about Ed being his muse. Uh, I think in the last calendar year, he said this in an interview, I think probably talking about um, 30th anniversary. Well, it's an interesting thing when he gives Ed both music and the words, Ed simply has to find the melody to make that performance his own. And in a lot of ways, the lyrics actually feel like something Ed would actually write himself. So it appears Ed may, might have been giving back as much as he was taking from Stone Around this time, in my in my view. The interlude is so interesting as well. The progression is played eight times, but the singing only occurs on the last six. It's kind of an unusual, um, slightly imbalanced uh, structure there. Usually these kinds of things, these kinds of segments, are much more symmetrical. So there's an unease here, but it's a welcoming unease considering the commentary. And then you have the bridge. This is also very on Pearl Jam. One of the most unique pieces of music the band has ever created before entering the final chorus um the big blustery chorus and, and kudos to stone on something really original um and i wish they just play it more because i think he really hit it out of the park of this one
1: yeah you know when i first heard yield it was my favorite song on first list on that mm-hmm. album so I, I i will not take umbrage with this selection my good man thank god yeah nobody here we wants are. to hear paul take umbrage okay <laughs> number three number three number three here we got, here we got numero tres i'm going even flow here Okay, there we, which, here we which go. Which, in theory, might be a bold take, right? Because I, I would imagine a lot of folks Could would be higher, high, pretty, pretty much higher than that. But uh, uh, D major, it's a solid, solid key to work with. And in Stone's case, I think he really knocks it out of the park. It's that perfect, funky kind of, you know, classic, iconic Stone head bobbing riff. Exactly. You know what is it? The, the chicken cluck? Yeah, the chicken. <laughs> Uh, I can't listen to the song without thinking of that. You know, with him with, just him bobbing <laughs> yeah. with, the, with with the left foot kind of kicking out. It's a, uh, it, it's it's an iconic riff on so many levels, and uh, as a rhythm, uh, it was so sharp that uh, when Mike jumps in, uh, he basically complements it with a, with a, a similar rhythm pattern and, and, and almost an identical tuning here. So it's one of those songs that doesn't require a lot of dancing around. It's it's it really holds its weight. And, and I'm always enamored with rhythm riffs that and, and, and songwriting like this where uh, everything else just becomes an accent that's how mm-hmm. strong the songwriting is and I think even flow and animal are, are, are great examples of that even
0: flow is is such a i mean we called it um, and in fact when we when we did our our best riffs um, for stone I forget how long actually it was about a year ago we had our friends from Black Circle, Luis, and um, Sergio chime in. And I believe Sergio, they both had it in the top five. I think Sergio had it as number one, where that riff is maybe the best riff in the catalog. And to focus a song around that. Um, and obviously the intro is the full extent of the riff, and that's kind of muted and deconstructed a little bit in the verse so that, as you said, Mike can kind of complement it in his own little bluesy way. Um, and obviously open space up for, for Ed to sing, but man, it's, it, that is a, a classic, classic song and it deserves to be, uh, three for for you. Uh, I'm going to go, however, because I knew you would, you'd pick even flow very high. I went a different route. Okay. I'm going breath at number three. All right you might be thinking, okay, you're being a bit biased because you know how much I love the song.
1: I'm not. It's one of my honorable mentions.
0: Okay, good. Okay, good. Yeah. Even flows on my honorable mentions too. Didn't quite okay. make good. cut. Um, which might be sacrilegious to say, but I'm just throwing it out there. Um, when a lot of people talk about the best Pearl Jam has to offer, they'll mention epic, anthemic arena rock and roll, classic stuff like what Zeppelin would have been filling arenas with. At least that's how I view this. Um, Not to say that the more cerebral artistic stuff isn't amazing, because it is. But there's a reason that 10 continues to be one of the greatest rock records of all time. And this song is not on this record, but it's of the era. And it might be the one to swell to the highest heights. No. So sure. There are other songs that are more popular, more emotive, or grander from a 360 perspective. But from the main riff to the simple octave riff over that, uh, over top of it, to the crescendo, uh, to the massive chorus, this song can hang with any in the catalog when it comes to dialing up the anticipation, kind of like shaking a can of soda. And the interlude is classic and familiar, but in the best ways. And it all leads up to, as I said, one of the highest points in the entire catalog the if i knew where it was i would take you there there's much more than this line that thing is like for me it's really hard to beat that moment and from there you're walking amongst the clouds basically you know back into the main riff with its active accompaniment right into that final outro solo which is in the studio probably only topped by one of the song in my opinion so from front to back, the way that this thing just kind of builds and elevates and gets you to a spot, it's like very, very, very hard to
1: beat. And it's all Stone. It is all Stone. I completely agree with you there. Um, for me at number two, I- I'm going to have to come in with what you had initially called the greatest Stone Gosser song of all time. Or I should say the greatest riff of all time by Stone Gossard. That would be Alive. Ah. And, uh, I'm going here at number two mostly because, well, I'll get to why in a minute, but you you got this this song. It's another one in a major key, this time A. And um, I use the word iconic to describe the riff in, in Even Flow. If there was a song in the Pearl Jam catalog with a more iconic riff than Even Flows, it would probably be alive. And it's a, initially it was called Dollar Short as mm-hmm. a demo. And he, you want to talk about uh, wish list items, right? <laughs> if if, uh, if I had a wish list item to add to the ones that we we talked about during our our New Year's episode, this would be it. Did you know <clears throat> that uh, the demo for the song there's actually a a version that Andrew Wood sung on? I did not know that actually. Yeah, uh, I guess on Pearl James VH1 Storytellers episode, uh, Andy uh, Pearl, uh, Stone says it. Andy Wood had even sung on it and and part of me is hard pressed to believe that this wasn't recorded somewhere I, I, I'd be God, shocked that's it gotta was be just somewhere we gotta get something yeah and so I would just love to hear what that what that sounded like like what was his take on it um, I'm not saying it could top what Eddie did obviously uh, it, but it would be fascinating to hear someone else's interpretation of that raw sound mm. and just kind of bring a fresh new take of lyrics to it because you cannot unhear what Alive has been for all these decades. So it, there's no way that you could listen to Alive now, even if you were trying to add brand new lyrics to it, without what Eddie did somehow seeping in. And, but that wasn't, that wasn't part of, of reality, obviously, when Andy heard this, this riff. So I, I just think that there's a really cool parallel universe uh, rabbit hole to go down hmm. with this track. In addition to the fact that it's just an amazing riff and, and it, it, it's a stellar song on else. so many levels, I'm gonna have to go with Alive at number two.
0: Well, I'm gonna agree with you. I think Alive is number two. Um, this I think kind of gives away both number ones, but let's just let that sit there. Um, probably, like you said, the most iconic riff in Pearl Jam's catalog. And, and not saying it's my favorite, but probably the most iconic. Um, to echo what you said, Pearl Jam's first single and de facto show closer is very much about Ed's words but they aren't a thing without stone because even if there was there was this music that you know Andy might have sung over I don't know that it was necessarily created with anybody in mind so the music is everything now as we know this is one of a few songs written without Ed in mind in the Pearl Jam catalog mm-hmm. I think for this song to be as successful as it was the music had to be so good that even average lyrics could fit. And not to say that Eds are, of course, but this is just how strong the music is. Now it's not an it's not a unique arrangement by any means. It's classic as classic rain and rock can be, but you still have to write the riffs and the way the song builds is second to maybe just one other song, which we might get to in a minute. And as mentioned in the previous song only one song in my opinion can top breath when it comes to an outro taking a song into the stratosphere and this is that one yes the solo is mike's but we get there because of stone he sets the table uh, and creates the bed for mike so for all that and for how important the song is to pro catalog alive has to be here even if you're sick of it even if you think it's overrated even if you don't connect to the story and we did an entire episode on this song's On the song for a reason And Stone has everything to do with it It is Stone through and through And yes Alive has to be number two Yes No
1: argument from me So then what is both of our number ones Uh, We're going black buddy (laughs) Yes we are (laughs) Uh, e Ballad. you know the thing about This track is It's in many ways it feels like Pearl Jam's Stairway to Heaven it's that beautiful, just kind of uh, melodic opening that ultimately finds itself into this epic crescendo. Uh, it's, it's, it's grunge's take, if you will, on Stairway to Heaven in a lot mm. of ways. And, and it's about um, letting go. Uh, I'm not going to dwell too much on the lyrical content, but I will say that this music supported what I think is is one of the, if, if not the best line in, in the Pearl Jam catalog. I know someday... Uh, you'll have a beautiful life. I know you'll be a star in somebody else's sky, but why can't it be mine? I will say that this this music it it seems to to straddle blues and classic rock and uh, modern rock and a whole host of other genres all at the same time, while somehow seamlessly blending them together in a, in a sound that seems cohesive which which I think was surprising to me because when I first heard the song I wasn't initially into it. I didn't even want to let it finish. Uh, mostly because it, it kind of had this this uh, melancholy uh, almost like a bluesy e key going on. And and I I wasn't into that sound initially, so I skipped and went on the journey. Was it too pretty for you? And, uh, maybe. I don't know. It's I mean uh, what was I? I was a teenager at the time. I <laughs> I you know. Yeah, yeah it's, uh, Eventually I um, Circled back to it, I'm like, oh, I just let this thing play, and I automatically fell in love with it. The, the deeper into the song that I I, I listened, and, and I think that that speaks volumes about a song that it can it can make you fall in love with it as 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 you get to know it a little bit. It was a type of track that it, 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 in first listen, mind. You, I don't mean that I had to listen to it over and over and over again to find my connection to it. But the longer I listened to the song, each measure, each part of the progression seemed to, to attract me more. There was a gravity to it that I thought was kind of absent in other songs, at least in terms of, of a progression like that. So uh, it's, it's hard to think of a song that stone wrote that (laughs) you can't parody this song. You know what I'm saying? Mm. There's something about alive and, and uh, even flow I'm not, you'll never hear me say they're dated because they're not, but they are songs that I think will forever live in infamy within the, the, the time in which they, they boomed. And and I think there's something about black that's timeless. I don't know how to explain that. It it sounds bizarre to say, because uh, you can make a similar argument for alive and and for even flow, but I feel like those riffs are very much a product of of that era of rock And I think if somebody came out and wrote alive today or wrote even flow today, I wonder whether or not it would have this, if it would resonate the same way with today's youth, whereas I feel like there's something so um, soulful about black and and the songwriting in black that seems to transcend era. And, And I think that for me is, is what makes it such a special, special composition. Yes.
0: To all of that. Uh, I will add that, uh, this song was not one of those few songs written without Ed in the picture. And yet, without the main riff and chord progression, nothing else matters. Um, this, this is how you write a song for a singer to shine the brightest. Uh, yes, especially in the studio, this song is Ed at his best, but it takes a great songwriter to give the singer the latitude to be great. And there isn't a better example in the catalog than this the melody that carries throughout and ultimately repeated as a drone of sorts through the end of the song. The you know, Of course, let's all sing it. Do-do-do-do-do. <laughs> you know, to write a melody that's so beautiful that damn near every instrument in the song has to play it. I mean, the vocals are doing it. The organ and the piano are doing it. Mike's doing it.
1: There's a video that you <laughs> shared where this music guru breaks down the oh, composition. Oh, Yeah, yeah. Yeah. If, if, if you want to know why this is... If not the greatest, program. I could just sit. So, a, yeah, it, by can, far <laughs> stones. Just watch that video and lose yourself in in the absolute mastery of this song. I will. I will include
0: a link to that video in our in our in the notes of this episode because while we're gonna wax poetic about it, he can explain and dial in musically why it is so great. Yeah. Um. I I, I just find that that is remarkable that that melody. It's so simple, but it's so effective. And I, I've spoken at length in this whole list here about. You know, epic, iconic, emotive songs that bring you to the highest heights. And those for me are my favorite songs, the ones that take me to those places. Bring me down, bring me back up, take me on a journey. That—that's Ten does a great job of this in many ways. And there are certainly other songs in the catalog that do this. But Stone is the sole songwriter here, and this is his best attempt at it. You know, RVM, Immortality, and Better Man, those are Ed, so those don't count. Comeback was Ed and Mike. Jeremy was Jeff. Hell in hiding as you mentioned is a, is a stone song and it's a fantastic honorable mention for me. It makes your list but it's not black. You know black is a masterpiece and and while Ed gets the shine that that he deserves he doesn't get the chance without Stone Gossard.
1: No, he doesn't. And it, it's it's those subtleties, you know. Those those acoustic guitar alternates between E major and E minor with these chord progressions. It's it's the little things that I think really make this song what it is and, and at the end of the day in order for ed to shine to the degree that he did it required amazing music i mean this was part of that demo that they kind of circulated in order to find a singer and and it, if these tracks are not great if they don't feature inspiring music effective music then i don't think we get the type of vocal performances that we do on songs like alive and and uh even flow and and, uh, in particular, at least for this, this set of demos black. So it really hard to argue for uh, a song above this, but, but I I wouldn't necessarily uh, be offended obviously (laughs) by, by somebody that had some of the other aforementioned tracks above it.
0: Okay. Well we have, um, I guess I should, I should go back circle back and say it, it wasn't necessarily hard per se, but it, because I think that the top two really kind of, Stuck themselves there easily. Yeah. It was trying to fill in the next couple, right? Yeah, yeah. So speaking of that, give me some honorable mentions that that were that were there almost to the end.
1: Uh, yeah, I just had two. I had uh, breath, mm-hmm. and I had once. I think once oh, was yeah. uh, once was the precursor to Animal in terms of just a song that that it's our first introduction to Pearl Jam. At least it was mine. I mean, I I, you know, I didn't hear the singles on the radio. Somebody gave me the album and said, "Check this out." I put it in and I got, you get Jeff's master slave. And then suddenly, boom, this just song just rip rips right through your headphones. And I'll never forget the feeling of saying, what is this? This is amazing. And it, it mm. I still to this day, haven't been able to shake it. You know, and that's why we're doing this podcast. So I'm, I'm forever indebted to, to that song and it's a stone song. So there you have it.
0: Those are excellent. Uh, I will add to that. Uh, footsteps because yeah. it's literally just, it's a mother. Oh, it yeah,
1: it's it's Temple the dog and uh and Pearl it, it, Jam. So it
0: managed to crush on two different albums, basically. Yeah, so it's <laughs>
1: it's hard to beat uh, that.
0: Yeah, my other one is another one that he wrote the lyrics to, as well as the music, and that's Rival. I think Rival is tremendously underrated. Uh It's simple, but it's it's very unique, and I love the storytelling and the lyrics. Nice,
1: that's a good. So there one you too.
0: go. What do you guys think? I know we must have gotten something wrong, right? I mean, you you guys are like, where's mankind? Come on. Yeah. <laughs> he sang on it too. Like all those yesterdays, someone out there is going to punk Paul and say all the yesterdays has to be on the list, right? Of the girl, thin air, brother. No? Okay. Well, anyways, tell us what you think are your five best or favorite stone songs. Best, not favorite, best, best stone. Oops, sorry best stone songs, get in the mentions, get in the comments, let us know what you think and why we are wrong or why we're right. Maybe we're right this time, Paul.
1: It, it never hurts to hear that.
0: Never hurts to hear that. <laughs> um, with that, then we will get to our Lyric of the Week. This week's Lyric of the Week Paul. I can't believe we're doing it. I guess we yeah. have to eventually. We uh, had to eventually we call. had to. We're going to Lightning Bolt. That isn't the weird thing. The weird thing is we're talking let the records play. And with
2: the volume up because it goes and fills his cup and lets the drama drum tickle.
0: Yeah, my friend let the records play let me let me know what's going on here uh,
1: look i i'm obviously publicly not a fan of this song
0: it's a stone song so it has it, to be, uh, yeah it, it makes I, sense
1: i i get it but i think the reason i'm not a fan of it is because i just don't really let it breathe i think this is the type of, of song that i've consistently taken at at surface value And and it felt to me like a watered down, you know, dad rock version of Spin the Black Circle. And and I've resisted, you know, really just kind of giving into the song and trying to kind of kind of explore it a little bit more. But if if you really sit with the lyrics a bit, you've got this really cool blues rock riff, which I think I I always welcome. You know, Um, I've always enjoyed blues rock songs in led zeppelin's album mm-hmm. album catalog uh, i've always enjoyed him in in, in candle Box's music and other bands as well so it's not like i don't have an affinity for blues rock but the lyrics to me always felt weak but i took another pass through these recently uh and with the volume up he goes and fills his cup and lets the drummer's drum take away the pain breaking forsaken what's that you're taking? Uh, needing the feeling he lets the records play it's not an homage to records or an homage to music it's it, it, not in the way that spin the black circle was. correct yeah i think this is a more um mature way to look at music as not an escape oh well, yeah I, I guess it's somewhat of an escape oh, yeah you know but but also a coping mechanism as well there you go and I feel like when you when you examine the song through that lens, you begin to adopt a greater appreciation for for what I think is a reality that anybody that listens to music can find relatable and understand, which is that sometimes we have emotions and feelings that we don't really know how to channel or comprehend or understand. But when we listen to a certain song or a certain album, it either allows us the ability to perceive and to cope or it allows us the ability to sit with that emotion in a way that that, that that's more constructive and less de- destructive. So, I I don't know, man. I I just the more I thought about it, the more I, I gained a bit more of an appreciation for the song. I, I think it's it's really a blue what a perfect uh, genre of rock, right? Blues rock about a guy that's just drowning in his sorrows and 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 uh, well, listening on to the music. Nose, to, yeah. It is. It's on the nose, you know, but. Uh, for for what it is, I, I feel like there's a, a certain certain degree of depth to it, despite the fact that it's on the nose, um, and and uh, it, to me at least, it, it it's it's far less superficial than I think I I had initially thought.
0: Yeah, I think initially we probably all thought it was just another ode to music and vinyl specifically, yeah. but as you said, you, you take a second look, a third look, you go a little bit deeper. Okay, what's really going on here? And then yeah, you said it. that second line about taking away the pain. All right, so now, <laughs> that's one level deep, one level deeper. You know, Pearl Jam have a lot of songs about escape or torture, both emotional and physical, or any or this this, this negative stuff, right? It's all of the. Good. And this song might as well be the microcosm of what Pearl Jam is to so many. Put the record or, or the cassette or the CD or the three or stream and Pearl Jam takes away and soothes the bad feelings that we have, whatever the situation, there's a track to take away that pain. And without maybe even realizing it, because they were probably writing about the artists and songs that made them feel this way. They wrote a song about what they do for their own fans. The next stanza breaking forsaking. What's that you're taking. You know, it started talking about filling up the listeners cup <laughs> This song gets a little deeper, man. It's the specific feeling is is a hard, deep pain that only something like booze or narcotics can, and some music huh, huh. take away. And you know what? No judgment. The real fix is ne- is necessary, but that is for another time. Right now, this glass of whiskey, this joint, this record spinning, that will that will ease the the extra low dip that maybe I'm feeling in the moment and the, in the bigger, the bigger fix is either ongoing or it's about to start, or I, I, at least I recognize that there's a problem I have to fix. But in the meantime, before I can go and really get after the long fix, you are going to have ups and downs in that journey of solving your, your issue. And in the down spots, if you can handle it, because not everybody can get, get your cup, get a little Laphroaig in there, you know, get a,
1: that's exactly what I've got now. <laughs> get <laughs> Actually, a little bag. If
0: I'm being truthful, our bag, Ugedale. Uh, no, just 10. Okay. Um, you know, get your, uh, get your greenery of choice or hell, something else. I don't know. And, uh, put on your favorite record and something is going to happen and it'll allow you to kind of level. And as much as is this songs is, it's never going to creep into my, into my top 10, it's forcing us to go back into, into understanding it a little bit better. Gives it a little bit more shine than it had before. So I laughed at it when you mentioned it earlier <laughs> that we're going to do this one. But it's a good thing. And it makes me feel like we did after Save You. You think about Save You. It's like, ah, just, it's a, that's a kind of a dad punky song. And it's fun. But like, whatever. And you go back and listen to the lyrics. And you read them. And you go, oh, this is actually kind of deep. Damn. Okay. Yeah. I think Save You a lot better at creating uh, that sure that world but at least we have some something here to hang our hat on because it was definitely uh a, a, a possible skip <laughs> before <laughs> maybe not so much anymore let's then go to our best live version of the song with our live card of the week Okie dokie Paul, we're going back to the Lightning Bolt
1: tour. Where are we going? Is there a better location for a song like this than Pittsburgh, Jason? Western Pennsylvania. Yeah, that's, that's where we're headed. October 11th, 2013. Mm-hmm.
2: His record's on and with his bliss The thumb heads play
0: This track, I can't say that I've heard too many live cuts of it, so I'm going off of almost no memory, right? But I will say that listening to this cut, it, um, the ending outro solo has got great energy. It's, it's, a gr- it's a really good energy to that the rest of the song doesn't really do. The rest of the song, I would say the majority of the song kind of sits there in second gear. But the outro kind of opens up the road nicely. So I think if you're gonna get a track that can, if you're gonna get a version of this track that kind of pulls itself out of its out of whatever rut that it's in, it has to have a good outro, and this one did.
1: I completely agree. And uh, there's something about the energy, and uh, there's a great live Leonard Skinner album called Live from Steel Town, right? Mm-mm. And, and, and I there's it. just a, you do. It's a mm-hmm. great album uh and it's ronnie van zant's brother singing at this point in time but he does an outstanding outstanding job quits himself well i will say though that uh there are some songs on there like simple man for example where the it it just resonates with the crowd there's just a certain blue collar aspect to it and they just seem to just the response and the energy for a song like that, there's just a continuity there that seems to bring out the best in in a performance. And and I, I got the same feeling here with let the records play. You just get a sense that there's a lot of people in the crowd that know exactly what this feels like. And, um, the energy and the, uh, the way in which the band are just in sync with it and the way that the crowd seems to respond to it that's what I'm looking for in a live version of a song like this. it's 2013, you know, that the audio is going to be solid. I mean, it's not like we're dealing Mm -hmm. with, with, you know, B grade, uh, audience recording bootlegs at this point in time. So we get a solid, well engineered recording of it. But I also think that, uh, the location and the crowd response goes a long way towards making this, uh, arguably the finest performance of the song that that, I've heard.
0: And only 21 appearances of all All time. Uh, and, this was the debut. This is the live debut of this song. And I think we may have done this once before. I think our, our favorite track, um, I should say, our favorite live version of another song was on its debut, and that was Rival. Mm. In, uh, in Landgraf, Netherland's one's at Pink Pop. So there's that. There's that. Guys, that's the episode. And I want to thank you for listening once again. Please let us know what we did wrong. We love constructive criticism, please. Um, also, I want to tell you, Paul, some people were chiming in about last week's um, conundrum with your double vinyl of no code. <laughs> um, there were two, two suggestions. One of them was go for the batteries. Yeah. <laughs> Our friend Patrick that we met at Ohana said to <laughs> do batteries. And then uh w- one a better reaction actually was to make it a contest uh, and to have people maybe go and in, in do a review of, of the show on, on Apple or wherever you can leave reviews and we'd pick the best review and send the extra copy to so there's that
1: your choice there's though oh, what a heavy choice considering batteries probably cost more than the vinyl does these days let's see <laughs> <laughs>
0: balls in your core, I'm just i listeners thought.
1: I'm glad you did. I will meditate on this. <laughs> Double A's or a contest. We'll are, you, a, you, are you a uh, are you a you Duracell guy? Are you an energizer guy? I, I am an Amazon battery guy at this point for, for uh because that's where the, What's the, the album difference? came from. Yeah. Yeah.
0: <laughs> well there you go. So we'll have to sit and wait and see what happens with this no-code mystery. But in the meantime, you could still go ahead and give us a rating on on Spotify or on Apple and leave a review or a comment or whatever. And uh, that'd be lovely. And if if you do give a review, we'll read it, even if it's bad. So until the next time when we see you next week, same bad time, same bad channel, you have been listening to
1: The State of Love and Trust.